conversations to inspire. My name is Jenna Vega, and I will be your host. Tune in weekly to hear my conversations with exceptional individuals that will captivate, motivate, and inspire you to live your best life. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. Uh, today I am sitting with Eliza Yafoli, and the topic for today's show is loss. Today we're going to be talking about uh, how to speak with someone that has experienced uh, the loss of a loved one, specifically the loss of a child. And I feel like this is a very important conversation to have because there's still a really big taboo on these types of conversations. So these are really important conversations to have. So we're going to be talking with Eliza today, who has um, experienced with loss. And Eliza is also the founder of Heavenbound. And we're going to let Eliza tell us a little bit about that. So first, I'd like to welcome Eliza to the show. How are you, Eliza? I am doing well. Thank you so much. Good. Um, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, Eliza has two little kids, right? I do. Two girls, yeah two girls and um, so I know you must be very busy with them and you also work so thank you for taking time out of your schedule to speak with me today it's my pleasure um, so I'm I would like Eliza to um, introduce herself and tell us a little bit about herself okay yeah uh, as you know my name is Eliza I am a paralegal by trade a probate paralegal specifically uh, I am lucky enough to work from home and do that I also, as you mentioned, have two little girls, a two-year-old and a 10-month-old, so I am busy with that for sure, <laughs> perpetually tired. Yep. Um, and I am a, I'm an avid TV binger in the, in the nighttime hours after the girls are in bed. I'm currently watching Quantum Leap. I don't know if you ever watched that during its I original run. I've heard of it, though. Yeah. But I think the um, the TV binge, every parent can relate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My husband sure. and I have been picking older shows, Golden Girls, Cheers, Taxi. So We've had to resort to that, too, because yeah. we've seen all the new stuff, and we're like, okay, let's watch Golden Girls, I guess. Yeah, for <laughs> It's sure. so good, though, right? It it's so it's actually a pretty good show. Golden Girls has been my favorite, surprisingly. Have you watched um, Frasier yet? No, we watched Cheers, though, and oh. so Frasier is on the docket, for sure. Yeah. It's so good. Okay, good to know. Yeah, we've seen it. We've seen the whole series in its entirety maybe about five times. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. it's so good. I'll have to bump it up on the list then. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's me. All right. Um, would you um, actually, so to give the listeners a little bit of context, um, I, uh, I met Eliza through an app, which is a volunteer app um, that shows you all sorts of different uh, volunteering opportunities around your community. And I was looking for a way to, um, to give back, and I found uh, Eliza's organization called Heavenbound. So I reached out, and that's how uh, we got to know each other. So Eliza, would you please share what Heavenbound is? Sure. So we collect wedding dresses. People donate their wedding dresses, and then we have volunteer seamstresses who take those wedding dresses, and they sew several uh, burial gowns for angel babies from the wedding dress, and so when pe and then we donate those to lost parents um, for burial of their babies. So when people, uh, typically in the hospital, experience a loss, they will reach out to us for a gown for their baby. Okay, and um, why did you create this organization? Why was it important to you to create it? So I had actually never even heard of this concept, which I think is just such a cool concept, uh, until I lost my own daughter. And it's coming up on five years now. It was in 2014, beginning of 2014. And I, so I, I was just shy of five months pregnant when I lost my daughter. And the hospital gave me a gown. It actually wasn't made from a wedding dress. It was just a plain gown. Um, but when I was coming up on her due date, I knew that that was going to be just a really tough day for me. Mm -hmm. And so I was trying to come up with something to make the day a little bit easier. And so what I did is I created, my daughter's name is Harper, and so I created what's called Harper's Day. And so every year on her due date, which is in July, I do an, a, an entire day of service. And we do it in her name, and we invite all of our friends and family to participate. So on this first Harper's Day, I had heard about a local charity that did this. And so I collected wedding dresses from a bunch of my friends and family to donate. Mm -hmm. 
So that was kind of my first exposure to this, even as a concept. So I had done that, and then I had just kept collecting dresses for this. It was actually just a woman here in town who did it. I don't think she had organized it into a charity, but um, I had heard that she had kind of disappeared. And so my sisters and I were talking about it and realized that there was kind of a, a need here in town. And so we decided that we would kind of take over where she left off. And so we started Heaven Bound. And my two sisters live in Utah, so we actually collect and sew dresses there as well. And so that was kind of the origin. Oh, wow. I love the fact that you have a whole day where you commit to service for in, in her name. That's so beautiful. It's such a great way to remember her. Oh, it's honestly such a fun day for us. Yeah. It, it would be a really hard day a really, really hard day. And instead, actually, I look forward to it and it just becomes this really good, fun day. And now that my my daughter is two, we've had her start participating too. So like last year's, or I guess this year's Harper's Day, we went to the splash pad and she was like passing out um, Otter Pops to the kids and just, you know, just like fun little things that we can do to just kind of brighten someone's day, so. Yeah, that's so beautiful, I love that. Um, So in preparation for the show, I actually um, did as much research as I could on this topic because I have I haven't personally um, experienced this before Um, but I'm on that side where I don't I don't know um, what to say to someone that that has experienced the loss of a child I know a few different people who who have and I don't know how to reach out I don't know what to say I'm you know afraid of offending someone and I feel like that's a lot of people's feeling, you know, that they're that they're going to do or say the wrong thing. So again, that's why I feel like it's so important um, to have you on, on the show today, so we can kind of talk through these things and 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 give people um, some tools to navigate their way through these types of conversations. My next question is, uh, what kind of emotional support did you receive or not receive after the death of Harper? I actually was extremely lucky. I have a very close family and I have five siblings Mm -hmm. and at the time my sister lived here locally and so I had a ton of support from my family and close friends. Kind of a tougher element for me, my husband was actually deployed when it happened and he was only able to come home for a couple weeks and so that was probably the hardest part. That was probably the biggest lack for me just knowing that he was gone. And so I was lucky in one aspect in that I have really amazing friends and family Mm -hmm. and then unlucky in the aspect that unfortunately my husband was not there. So he was grieving on his own in Afghanistan and I'm grieving here on my own Wow. to a certain extent. So, yeah, that must have been really difficult with I with what I, you know, can only assume is, of course, your your biggest supporter, right? Your biggest shoulder. What would you like others to understand about that difficult time? Well, I, first of all, I recognize that when people reach out in any way, that it's coming from a place of concern and love. And so I very much appreciated the notes, the car. I got a ton of like cards in the mail. People sent me flowers. People would send me necklaces with Harper's name on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would get messages on Facebook. People were just really good about reaching out to me. And so I guess I would say, I, like you said, a lot of people are afraid of saying anything because they'd rather not say anything than say the wrong thing. Right. And so I would say as long as you're coming from it, from a place of love, to not be afraid to reach out. And one of the bigger things is if the loss is at a point where the baby has a name, use the baby's name. Mm-hmm. I would love it to hear Harper's name. I still get messages to this day where people will say, oh, I saw this and I thought of Harper or I did this in Harper's name. Mm-hmm. And so everyone who knows me knows that I have three daughters and they know that my oldest is named Harper. It's not a secret. It's not something that we just grieve silently about. We include her. In fact, we just recently had our family pictures done and I had our photographer take one. Uh, it's an amazing picture where... She did a shadow of like a four-year-old oh, wow. little girl included into our family picture. Yeah. And so we just try to incorporate her into everything. And when other people do the same, 
it's just it's an acknowledgement that she existed Mm -hmm. which is huge for a lost mom Mm -hmm. and it just recognizes that she was here that she made a difference and you know that we we miss her we mourn her she Mm -hmm. she was valuable right yeah I've seen some of those pictures where um uh people take those photos where they have like the shadow of a child that would be um the age of, of their their child that they lost and those pictures oh my gosh they make me cry every single time it's so beautiful oh yeah to see. I was, when my photographer sent her I was bawling I mean it was just so <laughs> beautiful it's my favorite picture so one of the things that um you know stops a lot of people from reaching out is again saying the wrong thing when you were going through that experience did you have people that that did say the wrong thing like an unintentionally but you you know maybe it was like a little bit hurtful I did. The only one that really sticks out, I will say, when it very first happened and you're so raw, I honestly felt like I was just kind of like maneuvering a minefield. Like I didn't know where the next comment was going to come from. And, but that's just part of the grief cycle. I mean, that's not really something that can be avoided. And Mm -hmm. so that certainly isn't placed on anyone else's shoulders. No one bears the blame for you know how I'm going to react to comments, but the mm-hmm. only one that really stood out as actually kind of offensive to me was someone that said, "I've never experienced a loss, but I know what that must feel like," and that was just such a weird comment to say to me. Yeah, I thought because I can understand trying to be empathetic, um, but to say that you know what that must feel like when you clearly could not possibly know. Like, that's the only one I can remember after, you know, and this has been several years that really stands out. So that's one I would definitely recommend not saying. Right. Just because it's clearly not true and it doesn't help anyone feel better. So, right. yeah, I would. there definitely were hurtful comments, but I try and take it in the kind of in the intent that it was meant. And mm-hmm. I try and assign innocence to whatever anyone is saying. And by doing that, I think I avoided a lot of hurt feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so in my email before uh, before the show, I expressed to you that I was worried about saying something offensive. So I feel like that's probably a really common feeling. However, you told me that there's nothing offensive really that people could say because you know that um, most people don't know what to say. And it's better to say something and to try to reach out than than not saying anything at all. Yes, although I will say I certainly wasn't offended by people not reaching out. Mm. I mean, if it had been like my best friend or my mm-hmm. sister, then maybe I would have noticed the lack. But I certainly didn't expect everyone I knew to reach out to me. Right. But I will say that the people who want to reach out and are letting the fear of saying something offensive stop them, mm-hmm. I would encourage them to reach out. Yeah. And just not let that fear stand in your way. Because the truth is, we like to talk about our babies. Mm-hmm. We want to talk about it because it's real and it happened and we're going to be feeling the grief either way. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice to have the positive conversations added to that and mm-hmm. not just feel the sorrow and the loss, but to also feel that people cared and that people are willing to reach out. Mm-hmm. So I would say, yeah, it's definitely worth stepping out of your comfort zone for. Yeah, so that was one of the, the things that we talked about before recording is that um, what I've learned through um, trying to study this topic as much as I could, that it's it's important enough that you should, everybody should be willing to step outside of their discomfort to say something. Because if this is not a situation that is important enough to do that, then when is that situation appropriate you know like when should you step outside of your comfort zone I can't imagine anything greater than that type of loss my baby's almost two years old and as a mother that worries a lot I I constantly have that fear of something happening to her so even just the thought of that instills like such deep like fear and pain in me so I can't even imagine what it must be like 
to lose a child. So coming from that standpoint, I think, okay, I have to reach out and say something to people that have experienced loss because that can't even, my fear and my pain, it, might, it must be, is probably dwarfed by the pain that they're feeling, or not probably, it certainly is dwarfed by the pain that they're feeling. So the least I could do is step outside of my discomfort or my fear of saying something wrong and um, say something, uh, try to say something comforting or do something to help them out. Which brings me to my next question. Was there something that, or were there things that people did that helped you a lot during that time like certain um maybe running errands for you or those types of things well i mean i think in this one every circumstance is going to be a little bit different harper was my first and so i didn't have other kids at home to take care of mm -hmm. and so that enabled me uh, to kind of have time to process my grief without having to worry about just kind of everyday you know the minutiae of errands and and stuff like that. Right. I was actually really sick in my pregnancy as well. And so I had a couple of months recovery time kind of added into that, which is kind of a unique circumstance as well. But people were certainly willing and offering to help me out. And like I said, I was getting cards and little gifts in the mail that were very meaningful to me. A lot of them were personalized with Harper's name, which really touched me. Mm -hmm. And just the fact that people, even a few months after it happened, were checking in. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's a big one, too, is when it first happens, I think there's kind of this barrage of well wishes and, and notes and people checking in and then kind of tapers off, which is natural. But I think it's so huge that as the months go on and then the year anniversary of it happening and then a couple of years happening to have people still checking in is incredibly touching and it's incredibly meaningful. Yeah, there's, um, there's actually a really good point that you brought up that um, using a, the child's name. So my question is, did you have a name picked out pretty early on? I did. We found out she was a girl at 14 weeks, mm -hmm. and so I had already, I had had a boy name and a girl name picked out, and so when we found out she was a girl, I, we actually announced that she was a girl and announced her name. Mm -hmm. So we knew her name, you know, well, I, probably five, six weeks before we lost her. That's one of the things that I, that I, that I read that was pretty, um, uh, that was a commonality among these moms is they'd like to have or they liked th all the well wishes that they received where um, their child's name was included that made it a lot more personal and I wonder um, what do the moms um, what do the moms experience when they lose their baby so early on they have a, a miscarriage and they don't have a name picked out yet you know that that might make it a little bit more difficult but even in that instance i feel like they're still and i actually read a lot of different ways where you can still reach out even if you don't know the baby's name or you don't have you know you've obviously haven't made any memories with the, with that child yet um there's still a lot of different ways where you can reach out and express you know your 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 sympathies um, and actually, there's this one really great article that I read that has a lot of different examples of how you can reach out to somebody. So I'm going to include that in the show notes for anybody listening that um, wants to read some examples um, because they don't know what to say. I'll include that um, as well. My next question is, um, how long did it take you to arrive at a place where you felt that you had processed what happened? And does that did you feel like that even happened like did you get to a point where you thought okay i'm i'm processing this and i i, I can not even start to move on because i feel like you don't really move on from something like this right uh well to answer your question i would say yes and no to the processing it i i felt like i was doing pretty well in the beginning the first few months i felt like i was processing it and that you know, I was grieving, but I was grieving healthily. And then I don't, and it's so weird because it was like eight months after it happened that I actually got hit hardest with the grief. Wow. And I have no idea why, and I don't know what it was about that 
time period, but for some reason, it could have been that I had inadvertently not been grieving, mm. if that makes sense. Kind mm-hmm. of thinking that I was processing it, but really was just kind of pushing it away. Right. And then it just snuck up on me. And mm-hmm. then I had several months where it was extremely hard. It was a dark, dark pe- time period. That's actually when I started going to grief counseling uh, because I knew that I needed to find a healthier way uh, to kind of pull myself out of this. But I will say that the biggest surprise to me about grief is that it's not linear. So when we think of grief, I think a lot of us, and I did certainly, think that it starts out just really, really bad and then it will just progressively get better. Mm-hmm. And that's actually not the case. I will say that after over time, kind of the edges have softened a bit. It's easier for me to talk about. You know, at the beginning, I honestly could not have had this conversation without bawling through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And now I can talk about it pretty easily, and I rarely cry when I'm talking about it. But grief can still hit me at the weirdest time. Mm-hmm. And it can be just as bad as it was at the beginning, and then I can be doing better, and then I'm taken back. I mean, it's just not a straight line, and it's not just a progression. And so anytime anyone reaches out to me after a loss, that's actually what I tell them. I say, I... I just want to warn you that this is not going to be, it's just going to get better every day Mm because that's just not the case. Mm -hmm. You might be feeling better for a while, but, you know, that's kind of, I don't want anyone deluding themselves into thinking that it's not going to hit you again because it absolutely will. Yeah, that's one of the, um, again, one of the commonalities that I read is some women, um, you know, they've they've experienced loss um, a year ago and they're, still feeling kind of up and down there's some days that are really good and some days that are really bad there are women that have experienced loss 20 years ago and some days are really bad and some days are really good and um that's the perfect way to describe it it's not linear it can hit you um at any time it seems and i feel like with grief we when we think about um grief we think about all the different stages right that we hear of um and and then comes towards the end comes uh, moving on, but I feel like this is not something that you really move on from because this is a part of your life forever. This is a child that you had that, and like you said, you have three kids, right? And I made the mistake of saying you have two. You have three kids, um, which a lot of moms uh, in the interviews that I that I read um, expressed that they would like people to understand that they don't have, you know if they have uh, three living kids, but they had a, a miscarriage or they, they lost a child, they say, I don't have three kids, I have four. And uh, that can make people really uncomfortable, but it, it shouldn't. We should acknowledge that there was another child because that is another life. That is somebody that was part of your life. I mean, you experienced it, right? We can't just pretend like it didn't happen. I can it, actually tell you firsthand, it makes people very uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I, I don't, it depends on who I'm talking to, how I answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question, how many kids do you have, was very hard for me for a long time, actually. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know how to answer, especially if it's someone that I don't want to go into my story with, if it's mm-hmm. just in passing, if it's someone in the grocery store that sees me with a kid, oh, how many kids do you have? Mm-hmm. A lot of times I will answer too, mm-hmm. just because for me, you know, I don't want him to then say, oh, how old are they? And then I go into it when for me, it's like, I don't want to be going into the story of my loss in the line at the grocery store. Right. But if it's someone that I am starting a relationship with or that I know I'll see more often and that might eventually know my story, then I absolutely will say I have three kids. I have a daughter that I lost and then I have my two, two girls. Mm-hmm. And people get very uncomfortable with that. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I, I don't expect anything else. I'm hoping that the more people that answer that way, that the less uncomfortable people will be. Yeah. Maybe they're uncomfortable the first time someone says it to them or the first couple times. Mm-hmm. But then maybe eventually if they hear it enough. Because someone you know has experienced loss. Mm-hmm. I mean, one in four of us have experienced loss. This mm-hmm. is not an uncommon theme. Your friends, your family, someone you know has experienced it. And so the more open we are, the less uncomfortable people will be. That's a really good point. A lot of um, people that I know have experienced loss. And yet when when I was thinking about the show, I thought, 
I wish I had somebody to talk to um, who has had this experience so I could kind of get a better understanding. And it didn't immediately come up in my mind, all the people that I know that have experienced loss, my, my mother being one of them. And it's so strange how, um, maybe because it's just so, it's such an uncomfortable topic because we don't talk about it. Um, and there are so many misconceptions. We kind of tend to put it out of our mind and, and forget those those types of um, experiences or the, or the fact that we know people that have experienced loss. But you're totally right. Um, I feel like everybody has knows someone, you know, that has either a friend or a family member that has, that has experienced that. And um, one of the other things that I read is that a lot of uh, moms agreed on is it doesn't matter how much time has gone by. If even if it's been years, they still like getting those uh, those messages saying, you know, I'm sorry for your loss, or I'm sorry I didn't say anything when it happened. I didn't know what to say, but I want you to know that I'm, I'm very sorry for your loss and I'm thinking of you, um, or I have your family in my prayers. And those kind of messages, even though they're so much time has passed, they express that they, uh, they really meant a lot to them. So it got me thinking about my own personal experiences and how um, there's some reaching out that I that I would like to do. Um, has that kind of been your experience? Have you had kind of um, messages that were, you know, much after the fact, but that you uh, that you received from friends or family? I have not so much specifically. Um, sorry for my loss, kind of comments, but I I still to this day get messages that will say that they did something in Harper's name, mm-hmm. that they donated money to a charity or they did some good deed and they mm-hmm. did it in Harper's name. And I love those messages. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just brightens my whole day when I get a message that says that. And so, yeah, there is definitely no statute of limitations on this. I mean, if Mm -hmm. someone has experienced loss, absolutely. And I also get, on the flip side, I get not uncommon messages telling me that uh, a friend of mine has a friend or family member that has lost a baby and they want to know what to do. Mm -hmm. They want to know what to say or... a a gift they could get them and Mm -hmm. I love that I love that they want to reach out but they want to do it you know with some sensitivity Mm -hmm. and so I love that people are making an effort even when it clearly is uncomfortable for them Mm -hmm. um what kind of um gifts have you heard people give to to somebody um in the in that uh, those situations the ones i recommend are personalized ones Mm -hmm. uh, especially if it's to the point where the baby has been named Mm -hmm. i have probably five necklaces that either have an h or harper's name or little footprints or something you know Mm -hmm. specific and i love every single one of them i have Mm -hmm. a pillow with her name on it um my dad actually he makes baby blankets for all the grandkids Mm -hmm. and they're denim squares on one side and then a pattern on the other and so he had he made one for Harper and gave that one to me mm-hmm. so anything really that comes from the heart is perfect it doesn't have to be it obviously doesn't have to be something elaborate or expensive just some thought behind it is is really perfect yeah yeah there's um there's well uh, a friend of mine who who lost her baby um I think she was um, 17 weeks along, if I recall correctly. Um, she recently told me that they bought a Christmas ornament uh, to put up on their tree to remember their baby, and I thought that was the most beautiful thing. Um, so there's, it seems like there's a lot of different ways um, that you can remember a child that has passed, and um, and there's a lot of different gifts that you can give to somebody, right? To and it shows them that you're thinking about them and that you. Um, you acknowledge the fact that there there was a baby you know we don't want to just forget and say oh well this didn't happen because we're so uncomfortable with the situation I think that's what a lot of people tend to go to immediately sometimes I I think that the motive is just as much I mean they are definitely uncomfortable but I think the motive is just as much I don't you know this person has just experienced loss they're already hurting I don't want to do anything to add to that. I don't want to right. do any, I don't want to say the wrong thing mm-hmm. and add to what they're already experiencing. It's safer to not say anything. And mm-hmm. then I know that I'm not hurting them. And so I think sometimes that's the motive behind not saying anything. It's just that they worry, you know, I think it's a, a kind motive mm-hmm. where that they, they aren't wanting to add any hurt to what the person is already experiencing. 
Right. Yeah, that's a really good point is we don't we don't want to further hurt somebody that's already experiencing something very painful, um, which brings me to my other point. Um, there's sometimes when somebody goes through um, through loss, we feel like we want to help them get better. Right. And we want to kind of rush them through the process mm-hmm. because we want them to get back to their old selves and be happy again and um, be back you know to their norm- normal selves um, when really what is normal after a situation and experience like this um, what was your experience uh, with that aspect did you have people that um, that told you those those kind of things I'm I'm very familiar with this I was lucky enough the people closest to me certainly weren't trying to rush me into it. I think peripherally there were some people that thought I should maybe move along a little faster than I was. Mm -hmm. But that is actually one of the things. When someone reaches out to me after they've lost a baby, one of the things that I tell them is there's no timetable on this. There's Mm -hmm. absolutely, you don't have to set weeks, months, years. You know, at no point do you have to be over this. Mm -hmm. You You can grieve as long as you want. And whatever feelings you're having are fine they're okay your feelings are your feelings and it's okay to have them you can feel angry you can feel guilty you can feel sad you can feel happy I think Mm -hmm. people have the hardest time feeling happy actually Mm -hmm. out of all of those and it's okay to feel what you feel like just give yourself permission to feel Mm -hmm. and don't feel like there is a timer ticking and that by the time that timer goes off you should be done grieving because the truth is you'll never be done grieving Mm -hmm. Uh, hopefully you'll get to a point where you can live your life do your everyday things and find joy and everything else but there will always be grief too there will always be pockets in your life where you know something will remind you or you'll have really hard days and that's okay Um, you just have to be okay with that and give yourself permission to feel that way. Um, I will say <laughs> that one thing I learned in grief counseling, um, my counselor actually had me put a rubber band on my wrist. And if I was just having a really hard day and I would kind of be spiraling in the negative, um, I would snap the band to kind of remind me like not to sit in those thoughts. Mm-hmm. So while I say grieve as long as you want, on the flip side, there is, you know, don't let it spiral to the point where you kind of can't find your way back out, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. So I would let myself feel sad, and then I would make myself snap out of it for a little while just so that I wouldn't be in there wallowing in these feelings and and just getting deeper and deeper and deeper. So right. it's, kind of a, uh, it's kind of a fine line you have to walk in letting yourself feel and process the grief while at the same time not letting yourself get lost in the grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's um, uh, a friend of mine recently shared that um, her her mother, and I'm sure this was well-intentioned, but her mother told her after um, noticing that she had been crying and it had been many months after she had um, she had, had her, mis- her miscarriage, her mother told her, oh, are you still crying about that? Um, you need to move on. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure she thought, you know, I, I want my daughter to be happy again. I want my daughter back. Um, but what my friend expresses that it took her at least a year to kind of start to feel a little bit better. Um, and like you said, it seems like there is no, no, uh, there's no limit on, on grief. It, it comes and goes and it can, some women have expressed that even 20 years later, they still, they're reminded, um, uh, of the, the child that they lost and they, and they, they go into those, um, again those uh those those stages of grief you know those and they have days that are really difficult even 20 years later um when i look at this before i i found out um all these things uh in my research i would i would have thought that after 20 years you know what's that saying um time heals all wounds Mm -hmm. i feel like that's (laughs) that's so incorrect to say something like that um because and now after having my child i think I don't know that I would ever get over something like that. I think I would remember that forever and and be um, and and have those feelings um, forever. So it's really important, I think, um, of course, to not try to rush anybody through this, the process. And like you said, you know, there's no cap 
So um, if you're trying to support somebody through this, please remember that and know that they're not going to be the same again. You want to have your old friend back, but your friend is not going to be the same again because they're experiencing something that has forever changed them. And it's it's kind of um, illogical to think they're going to go back to being their old selves, right? Well, and they're not enjoying their sadness. Right. They're not enjoying the grief they're experiencing. If they could get over it, they would and they wish that they could and they wish that it was faster Mm -hmm. so although these comments i'm sure are well-intentioned they certainly don't help because if you think about it no one is purposefully grieving no one wants to feel this way no one wants to feel sadness Mm -hmm. if they could snap their fingers and and be over it and feel happy again they absolutely would so telling someone to move up their timeline when they have no control over that just makes someone feel worse And to answer somebody's um, questions, you know, uh, when you think, okay, I might say the wrong thing, so I don't want to say anything. What is what happens when someone says the wrong thing? Um, It kind of depends. I know at the beginning I was maybe more sensitive to things just because everything was so raw, and so for me. Here's the thing. You can say the right thing to someone and they still might cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the truth. They are in such a state of loss and sadness that you could say the perfect thing and they could still cry because they're sad. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay that their response is to cry. That doesn't mean you said the wrong thing. Uh, when someone did actually say the wrong thing, though, that's a good question. I... I'm trying to think how I reacted. I think I was, a lot of times I was stunned. I mean, this was all a very new thing for me. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of times I was just kind of taken aback at some of the comments that people would make. But with my personality, I'm not one to really internalize it. And so for me specifically, I think I just kind of brushed it off and moved on. Mm-hmm. I know not everyone's like that. I know some people uh, take hurtful comments and and it really sits with them for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't really know how to answer that question, actually. I think that's the perfect way to answer it. Um, that's a really good point that you brought up is that you might say the perfect thing and someone might still cry. They might even get upset because it's still something so raw and and new to them you know they're they're trying to find their way and navigate their way through the experience and it's nothing that I think you can ever prepare for you know and even I think even if somebody if you say the wrong thing and someone gets upset at you or if you say the right thing and someone gets upset at you that is maybe that's just their way of experiencing their that situation and it's okay and you have to be okay with going in with your discomfort and, and and then saying the wrong thing and then or saying the right thing and having someone lash out at you understand put yourself in their shoes and understand what they're going through and that maybe the way that they're um lashing out at you and uh, the fact that they're upset is just part of the way that they're grieving and you know of course if you can, of course, try to, you know, look up what to say and try to say the right thing and just or, or just be there in support. And you can just be there in silence, but in support and just understand that it's a difficult time for them. Right. And even if they get upset at you, it's their it's their process. And that's OK. Yeah, I remember I actually used to feel so bad because at the beginning, if Harper was brought up at all, I was crying. Like it was just, it didn't matter what people said. People could have said the sweetest thing and I would just start bawling. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't mad at them, mm-hmm. but I was just emotional. And I remember mm-hmm. I used to feel so guilty because I thought, oh my gosh, they're going to think they said the wrong thing. And the truth is, no matter what they said, I was going to cry. It mm-hmm. didn't matter. And so I hope that people know or knew that my response wasn't in reaction to them saying the wrong thing. In fact, they said just the right thing, but I was just so overly emotional Mm -hmm. that it really didn't matter what they said. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, that was going to be my response either way. Yeah. And I think as a society, we have this, um, this need to, you know, tell people don't cry or, 
you know, you don't need to cry or we feel like it's such a negative thing. And crying about something is a way to let it out and to process emotions. So um, I think if you're afraid of making somebody cry in that situation, um, just like you said, they're going to be sad. It's a sad situation. So it's okay to, to be to be met with that, you know, and, and go into the situation knowing that the person's probably going to cry, but you should still be there for them. And you should still confront that, uh, discomfort and, um, just be there to support your friend, you know, maybe even encourage them to cry. I mean, that's such a catharsis. And when I think back a lot of, you know, there's a big part of me that thinks that the reason it hit me so hard so many months later is because I was trying not to cry because I was trying so hard to, while I thought I was processing grief, the truth was I was just trying so hard, you know, not to wallow in, in these sad feelings Mm -hmm. that I, and I didn't want to cry around people. And that, like you said, we've just been taught that, that that's something you do in private and that's not something that you do with other people. And so I think I tried so hard not to cry in front of people that all those months later, it hit me that much harder. Whereas if I had just let myself feel those feelings at the beginning, I might not have struggled so hard later on. So encourage them to cry. If, they, if they're, you know, fighting it, just tell them to let it out. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like there are some cases where it's better to not say anything to somebody? See, that's what's hard is because we're all so different, and I, I can't really speak for every lost mom how they would want to be. There might be some people that are so private that don't want to talk about it. Uh, I would hope that that those people find some way to process it, uh, if that's the case. But I would say overall, you honestly can't go wrong if your intentions are pure. That doesn't mean you won't hurt someone. That doesn't mean that someone might not be sad. That doesn't mean that someone might not that someone might not take what you said the wrong way. Um, but we can't really control how other people process things. And if you're coming from a pure heart and your intent is is to comfort and to be kind, then I think what you did was okay, even if it wasn't taken well. Uh, you know that it came from a good place and the next person will really appreciate what you did. And I would say the majority of people would really appreciate what you did. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of moms that, um, that expressed uh, not responding to messages and um, reading all the messages that they received and, and feeling really grateful for the support and for everybody's, you know, um, for everybody's thoughts. But they couldn't, you know, of course, bring themselves to respond to anybody. Um, but they they did acknowledge how important that was for them and how um, how thankful they were, you know, even though. Um, so I think if, if you're if you're reaching out and you're offering uh, your condolences, you might not get a response back. But like you said, it doesn't mean you did anything wrong. It means that. Um, you know, the person just, they're, they're grieving and they're sad and they're, they might not respond to you. So don't take it personal if, you know, the person doesn't respond to you. Some people in their text messages even, ex- even include, you know, you don't have to reply to this. I just wanted to let you know that I'm thinking of you and your family. Um, and, you know, you can say something like that and just not expect it, not expect a, a return reply because it's not about you. You're, you're there to offer your your condolences and your support um and you shouldn't expect you know the person to get back to you um in a timely manner or even at all yeah i think that's perfect i i would hope that if we're sending someone an encouraging message that it's not with the hope that we get a response back i mean they may respond back to you i feel like i responded back to a lot of my messages but um no that's a really good point i think I think it's perfect to tack on there. Like, I don't expect to hear, you know, get a response. I just wanted to let you know I'm thinking of you. 
And, and some people even um, did uh, ran errands for the person. Um, or I mean, you said that you know, with uh, with Harper, you didn't have any other kids yet, so you didn't really have. Um, I'm, I'm sure it must be very different if you had kids first and then you had a loss, and trying to deal with you know, like with my baby, it's all day is like madness trying to <laughs> trying to to um, to look after her and prepare her meals and make sure her laundry is clean and all that stuff, and then on top of that, adding, you know. Um, trying to go through grief, that must be a whole other type of experience. I honestly can't imagine. At the time, it felt like I was so robbed because here I'm coming home from the hospital after delivering my baby, and it's just me in my house because my husband was deployed, the nursery was set up, you know, it was like just me. And so at the time, it, it just felt like a kick to the stomach all the time. But now when I look back, I think, wow, what a blessing that I had the time and the space where I could grieve on my own terms because I with what I felt and experienced and went through I have a really hard time imagining how I would do that with just kind of the everyday needs of like a toddler or a a child if you're constantly catering to what they need which is what we do as moms I don't know how you take the time for yourself to really grieve properly so my heart absolutely goes out to anyone who experiences loss and is still having to be you know mom all day every day because that just seems like it would be incredibly hard yeah um and i want to also bring up um your husband do you i mean i'm sure you can only speak to a certain extent of what his experience was um but how did he get support too after you guys lost your baby or was he kind of like do people kind of ignore the man in the situation? So that is such a good question. Yes, they do ignore the man in the situation. He actually wrote a blog post about it. Um, I think it was a year after it happened where, and I was obviously going through my own thing at the time and didn't even recognize what was happening, but everyone addresses the mom. And I mean, there is the physical element for the mom, you know, which is different. But the emotional element is the same for the moms and the dads. And yet so few people, like while I'm getting inundated with gifts and notes and messages, it's like radio silence for the dads. And I think that is part of it is that as women, that's what we do. We kind of like circle around when someone needs us where men have never really been conditioned to be that way. Mm -hmm. And so his friends, I don't even know that they would even have the first thought of what to do to comfort Mm -hmm. him and men grieve differently so for him it it was very stoic he felt like he had to be very strong for me and not show any emotion and so while he's just grieving like kind of behind the scenes uh you know all the while he's feeling just as sad as I am but isn't allowed to express it the way that I am So I think that that is such a huge thing that needs to be addressed. I'm really glad you brought that up because the dads fall by the wayside. And a lot of times um, they're not encouraged to go through the same grieving process that the women are, but they absolutely are experiencing that loss too. Yeah, it seems like the dads are expected to be part of the emotional support system when really they should be grieving too and they should also be supported um so what would you say to someone who's um who wants to reach out maybe uh maybe it's a it's the dad's you know male friends and they want to reach out or they don't want to reach out because they're too uncomfortable because men do grieve differently and then they have a whole different way of approaching these types of situations, what what would you say to them? Uh, Send a text or a Facebook message. It doesn't have to be a phone call. I mean, I know that that can be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Send just a quick message. Hey, man, I was just thinking of you. Hope all is well. If you need to talk, let me know. You know, something like that where they just don't feel so alone. I, I think that that is probably the hardest element is that they're just so alone in their loss. And one thing I try and do I'm not always great at it, but I try really hard to use the term lost parent Mm -hmm. instead of lost mom Mm -hmm. or lost parents because it isn't just for the mom. The mom's not the only one who lost something. She's not the only one grieving. And so when I talk about our charity, 
I will say lost parents instead of lost mom. Like, you know, we send these gowns to lost parents for their baby. Mm-hmm. And so it just recognizes that there's that there are two parents involved and it's not just the mom. So I would definitely encourage people to reach out to the dads. I mean, they probably will have a harder time accepting kind of condolences, mm-hmm. but they need it. I want to move on a little bit now um, and tell people about more about Heavenbound. And um, you shared a little bit at the beginning of the podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, I want to kind of expand on that now. Um, can you tell us what your experience has been with Heavenbound? Yes, my experience has been amazing. <laughs> um, specifically, I. I mean, it's always such a bittersweet thing for me because I obviously do not like getting messages from people telling me that either they've lost a baby or that someone that they know has lost a baby. But I do love that in those times that there's something that we can do to help and kind of soften the burden a little bit because the absolute last thing that a parent wants to be doing after they lose a baby is to be shopping for a burial gown when there's already so many other things that they have to deal with. And so I absolutely love um, the opportunity that we have to kind of ease that just even the littlest bit and to be able to provide them with a burial gown and not just a burial gown, but a beautiful burial gown that has history and that, you know, wedding gowns are symbolic of, of the start of something new and beautiful. And when people donate them, we don't take that lightly. We know that people have a very sentimental attachment to their wedding gowns. And so every donation I get... I'm just so appreciative of the sacrifice that people make and the willingness that they have to give something that means so much to them so that it can ease the burden and the loss of another family, of several families, really, because we get several dresses out of each gown. So we, someone will contact me, and a lot of times it's actually from out of town uh, because it's like a friend of a friend kind of situation. And so we will find out what size and gender we need and, and we have little cards that we include, and I always include a handwritten note as well, and send it off to these parents, uh, just so they have one kind of less thing to worry about. Mm-hmm. And um, can you share a little bit more in detail, like what the process is, like of, of getting the gowns and then ter- uh, taking them apart, and um, you know, cutting them up to make several dresses, and like what is it, what is it like for? Um, on your side and then for volunteers like sure so um, we have several drop-off locations uh, or people can always ship them to us because some people will hear about it on Facebook and they'll live in a different state and so we'll get some shipped to us too but usually uh, we'll have someone drop it off either at my house or I have an office in Summerlin Um, it's my friend's law office that we use as a drop-off for people live on the other side of town as well and if there's somewhere that I know I have someone nearby, mm-hmm. a lot of times I'll just reach out to a friend and say, hey, is it okay if someone drops a gown off at your house? And I'll mm-hmm. grab it from them. So I try and make it as easy as possible for people to donate. Same thing in Utah. They can drop it off at any of my siblings' houses, or I'll try and find someone you know, close enough to not make it too much of a burden to get the dress to me. So then once I have the dress, um, it then becomes, I told you before that Um, I don't personally sew, which is super unfortunate for me because I would love to be able to turn some of these into gowns. But so my biggest responsibility in, in this is coordination. So I will get the gown and then kind of depending on how the gown is structured, sometimes we'll take it apart because we'll use different elements of the dress. Mm -hmm. Um, If it has uh, extra things on it, lace pieces that are, that we know we'll want to take off and add to the gowns, um, then we will take the dress apart. And that I actually, I can deconstruct a wedding dress like nobody's business these days. Uh, so if it's something like that, then we'll deconstruct the dress. If it's something where it'll be just as easy for the volunteer seamstress to cut it directly from the gown, then we leave the gown in place and we will deliver the gown to the volunteer seamstress. And then at that point she can cut it directly, cut the pattern directly from the dress. I also have a super simplistic pattern for people who know how to sew but aren't comfortable with making clothes. And so for people who want that, I will email them 
this and it's very 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 simple um you're basically cutting two pieces out and sewing them together um so we have that option as well the biggest thing for these dresses is they have to have an open back to make um dressing the baby easier because a lot of these babies are very delicate and so we want to make sure that we make it as easy as possible on whoever's dressing the babies so you know other than that we kind of let the seamstresses have creative control the dresses you made actually were so beautiful and one actually went to a personal friend of mine when she lost her daughter so i mean it just means so much to these parents um it seems like well my personal experience as a volunteer um i started volunteering almost a year ago and i've only made maybe a handful of dresses um and it, I started when my baby was um, very small, and it made me so emotional that I had to take a break <laughs> um, because uh, my baby's dad would say to me, "You're, you're, you're getting too sad. You shouldn't be doing this anymore. You shouldn't. You take on a different type of project." And I thought, "But like, what better project? This is something that is so important and so useful." Um, so I had to kind of like take a little break and I'm actually um, back into to sewing now. So I'm planning to make some more some more dresses. I have some that are half, half done that I need to finish up. Um, but I feel like this is something that um, anybody can really do. If you have, you know, basic sewing skills, you can you can help out and you can make, you know, like you said, one one dress you can commit to one dress a month it's still super helpful you know it's it doesn't take very much time and it's something that's so meaningful uh to these families that, that are experiencing loss and um i wanted to ask you about uh the public's response to this i mean it sounds like it's a small operation but um you shared with me before that um there kind of has been an overwhelming response people are so willing to donate their dresses. It, sometimes it blows me away, but if it's just mentioned on, a lot of people will mention it on Facebook or somewhere in social media where they'll just kind of offhandedly say something about it. And then all of a sudden there are all these comments that are like, oh, I've been wondering what to do with my wedding dress. Because let's be honest, once you wear your wedding dress, n most people do nothing else with it. So it's taking up room in your closet. I mean, some people will turn it into dresses for their daughters, which I also think is, is beautiful. But for the most part, people want to do something meaningful with these dresses and just don't know that this is an option or know that it's an option but don't know how, where to go or how to get it to someone. And so it has, every time someone posts about it, I get so many messages that just say, oh, I have a dress, I have a dress, I have a dress, I have a dress. Uh, how can I get it to you? So yeah, getting dresses donated has never been a struggle for us. The struggle comes in more finding people um, that can sew uh, and that are willing to donate the time to sew. My next question is, how has Heavenbound evolved since day one? So it's very grassroots. It's very much, um, my sisters are Jessica and Audrey. Uh, they're the ones who live out in Utah. And it's a lot of times it's coordinated via our group text you know that's how mm -hmm. kind of simple it is um, but from the time that it started I'm always kind of surprised at how far we reach because while I think of us as just kind of in Las Vegas in Utah uh, I could get messages from all over like name a state and I can get a message saying hey I heard of your organization or hey I have a friend who just lost a baby and we're in need of a gown and it just kind of blows my mind that something that it started so small and it's still pretty small has such a far reach because just connections through people you know a friend of a friend of a friend mentioned it and they're like oh well my friend's friend does this and so it just kind of blows my mind that even though it's pr still pretty small it still has a pretty long arm and I, I love that because I love knowing that people can find us when they need us. Mm -hmm. And I also wanted to mention, um, you shared with me that some hospitals will offer these gowns, right? Yes, some do. Um, 
I don't, I actually need to research more. I know that some of the hospitals have a really uh, short supply of them. Mm -hmm. And my goal is to eventually have enough dresses made that we can keep up with the supply here locally for the hospitals in addition to anyone who reaches out to us. That's what I really would love to get to that point. Mm -hmm. But yeah, most hospitals will have, not, not necessarily made from wedding dresses, but just some kind of, like the one that I got for Harper was just, it was a very plain dress made out of very plain material. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, and that's part of why I love this so much is I love the thought of giving this beautiful gown to someone that someone can take comfort in knowing that their baby is just in this beautiful burial gown, you know? Mm-hmm. So what is the future for Heavenbound? What are you hoping to um, accomplish in the future with it? Are you planning to grow it? I would love to grow it. Honestly, my my biggest goal is and has always been to just meet the need. I, I, I'm always so terrified that someone will contact me and I won't have a dress to give them. Like, I can't imagine a worse feeling than having someone need it and me not having the supply. And so my, yeah, my goal has always been to grow it big enough that anyone who, no matter how they hear about us, that anyone that needs a dress, that it'll be so easy for me. And we always have several dresses on hand right now um, Mm -hmm. that you know, if they contact me, I know I have that assurance that I have that ready for them. doesn't matter what size, what gender, what, you know, no matter what they need, that I am prepared to meet that demand. Mm-hmm. And for any um, boutiques or brands that, um, you know, deal with clothing, if you're listening, um, Eliza did share before that you know, you'd be more than happy to receive donations of, you know, pre-made gowns, right? They don't have to come from wedding dresses. Absolutely. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think I told you, um, you know, lost parents who are receiving this donation, they appreciate it. They don't care if it comes from a wedding dress or if it comes from a store. They just like knowing that they have this, you know, beautiful gown worthy of of their angel baby. So yes, absolutely. We would love to take donations. Eliza, can you share with us how to connect with Heavenbound? Where can we find you? Sure. Uh, we have a Facebook page. It's just called Heavenbound, two mm-hmm. words. Um, and I'll send you the link to that. And then we're in the process of setting up some other social media as well. But for now, we, we have the Facebook page. Um, okay, my very last question. What do you drive inspiration from? Or who do you drive inspiration from? I would say that's a really good question. The people that inspire me the most are the people who make the world a better place. So no matter what form that takes, if that's volunteering, if that's, you know, I have friends who will are constantly reaching out to other people and always helping other people, watching their kids so they can get something done or making a meal. And that inspires me so much. I try really hard to be more like that. Uh, Charity to me is like the strongest virtue. And those are definitely the people that inspire me the most. That's a good answer. (laughs) Sometimes people don't know how to answer that that question because it's, you know, you can drive inspiration from so many things. Oh, but sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard one to answer sometimes. All right. Um, are there any last comments, any last things you would like people to know, understand about this topic or about Heavenbound? Um, I would just say, I mean, I've said it earlier, but maybe just reiterate that, you know, as long as you're coming from a good place and a good intent, I hope that people, if they take nothing else from this, take that it's okay to reach out to someone who's experienced a loss and not just okay but good preferable um you know even just a short message so that you're sharing that you're thinking about them that's good enough it doesn't have to be some deep thought it can just be checking in on someone and I think that you know, we've talked about how people sometimes are afraid of saying the wrong thing or, or they don't want to hurt someone. And I hope that we've shed some light today on the fact that it's probably more hurtful um, to not acknowledge the loss than it is 
you know, to reach out and say something. Because I know for me personally, I have a really hard time with um, Harper not being acknowledged. So for whatever reason and in whatever context, if if people don't acknowledge her existence, that is painful for me. That's what's hard for me. So if people are saying her name and talking about her to me, that is easier for me mm-hmm. than it is to pretend like she never existed and that she didn't have a footprint or an impact on, on the world because she did and she mm-hmm. still does. Mm-hmm. And every Harper's Day, it, I love knowing that she is still impacting the world. Mm-hmm. That's a really, really good point. And it's a great way to, um, it's a good last point to end the show with. So thank you so much for sharing everything you shared today and uh, for speaking with us. No, and thank you. I really appreciate that some light is being shed on a topic that very few people talk about. And uh, thank you, all of you listening in. I hope we can inspire you to, to get involved and to um, talk about this this topic more and to not be afraid um, and to, to support and, and help your, your friends and your loved ones and to create, you know, better relationships through um difficult time but can be very very difficult times um so that's that's our show thank you again eliza thank you